Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, you're listening to Ricky Wilde, and this is Unsung Heroes. Thanks for tuning in, guys. It's lovely that you're here. I know you're going to be fascinated by this week's episode. Steve Anderson, what an incredible man, is the MD of Kylie's band and behind pretty much everything she does. Um, he's an incredible talent, amazing remixer as well. He was with Brothers and Rhythm back in the day with Dave Seaman. All over everything, remixed everybody, has worked with pretty much everyone you can think of. And yeah, just all round incredible talent and a beautiful guy and it's so lovely to see him again after all these years because obviously he'd remixed a couple of Kim's tracks back in the day so yeah unfortunately Jakey couldn't make it with us because he had a filming schedule that he had to fulfill um, but me and Lee managed to pin down the amazing Steve Anderson Steve Anderson welcome to Unsung Heroes. Thanks, Ricky. How, how fantastic to have you here. Oh, listen, it's lovely to be here. It's great. I love this studio. And so lovely that you travelled up to see us as well. That oh, you're awesome. so close to me. It's, you well, know. It's, it's, it's just lovely for us because we can just set up all the mics and it's in a nice, sure. quiet environment. So it's lovely for us. But totally. it's lovely that you came. Thank yeah, you no so worries. much. Unsung um, Heroes is all about, uh, you know, people that in the music industry, lots of people know who you are um all the kylie fans know who you are but it's great to hear about all the stuff that you do behind the scenes bringing to life um you know artists songs stuff that um really resonates with the public for 20 30 years or so so we really want to talk through all the stuff that you've done from writing producing being a musical director um and understanding what makes you tick and what you like i certainly know my um I chat with you on Twitter quite a bit. And yeah, definitely. much like Ricky, you're a real advocate for new music, mm. constantly looking out for the next great new song. So I think we've got loads to, to talk oh, about. Definitely. Um, and, and for me, it's really interesting yeah. to see how other people mm-hmm. work because there are no rules with being an MD and, and there's so many different aspects to that. Yeah, particular sure. Skill, talent. Mm. First of all, you've been doing the orchestral stuff recently, the 80s. Yeah. How did you translate all those songs the way you did well that one was um i worked with uh, an arranger for i've worked for a long time with an arranger called cliff masterson 
And a few years back, we started doing a couple of shows, one in Ireland and one in Leeds, separate shows, which were similar in concept to the Pete Tong uh, dance shows, yeah, yeah. Um, but more about um, the particular clubs. So the one in uh, Northern Ireland was for the club Lush. So it was mm. their biggest tunes. And mm. then the one in Leeds was for the club Back to Basics. So it was different, completely mm. different sets. Mm. Um, but it was... A, effectively dance music which is kind of my background from yeah. years ago i came up yeah. through dance music um mixed with the orchestral side of it um and then a couple of years ago cliff and i got to thinking that concept would work really well mm. um with 80s um big 80s songs mm. um and we were just really lucky we just we went along about two years ago we went along to a a uh, little um, Pizza Express show that Howard Jones was doing with just him and piano. Mm. And we just said to Howard, look, we're thinking about doing this thing. And he was like, yeah, that sounds good. And he was the first to sort of say yes. And then after mm. that, mm. we were able to talk, you know, got everybody from Nick Kershaw and Jimmy Somerville. And this Amazing. year we've got next, this year we're touring with Belinda Carlisle and yeah. Howard again. And um, so, uh, and the whole point of that was, those those catalogues of songs as you know very well because you wrote a lot of them um mm. and it, they just they set themselves up perfectly for a symphonic arrangement because yeah. they've got all the chords and they've got all the powerful things you can do so much with intros yeah you know the way 80s classical works is um we wanted to have the best of both worlds um and which is why we kind of have a programmed element of it mm. um having a live drum kit on a stage yeah. with 80 live mics isn't dif is difficult anyway yeah. so i wanted it to programmed wise to sound have mm. the same kind mm. of impact with those big snares and everything yeah um, well you're using uh, samples and, and yeah yeah and so everything's like redone yeah. from scratch yeah. basically yeah. Yeah. so we will reprogram it so i will do what i kind of call a remastered supersized mm. version of the mm. original so because i think the orchestration is a lot is enough for people to take in mm. so i want it to have that feeling of oh god i remember this song mm. but it to still sound big yeah um we could do it with a drummer playing pads but there's so much going on on that stage yeah. anyway yeah you know so yeah. I how, how many on stage is that 80 there's 70 or 80 yeah wow. usually um so this do we'll be doing this year is with the royal philharmonic orchestra amazing um, and that's doing arenas and what a buzz for you that must be when you when you see that yeah i mean it's it's been really i've been so lucky even from an early age when people when I first started making records I don't know what it was but people you know trusted me with with strings and orchestras and I've worked with incredible people and I've just become quite uh I'm quite used to being around orchestras mm. now and I push them quite hard um to do interesting things yeah um but yes yeah, so our whole point with 80s classical is it there are shows like that, that that happen with other people singing, and that's fine. But we really wanted it to be the original artists, yeah, and to be the kind of people that we were huge fans of, yeah, and that and that the material would translate really yeah. well, yeah. So, and yeah. I think for them it's a lovely experience because they're they're listening to those songs that they've written and been a part of for so long, yeah, in such a different way, and it must be a real buzz for them as well. Yeah, I think so. And also, we tried to pick people that hadn't necessarily had that before people you know artists like abc for instance who are yeah. brilliant but they've done a whole let's kind of love that yes, and dudley yeah. did and yeah people that hadn't had shows like that um and i think a lot of the 80s acts um you know all, all through our people through through kim and yourself and everybody 
there's a certain kind of show that, that is brilliant that they're used to doing, which is either the rewinds and stuff like that, which is fantastic mm. in a yeah. field and stuff. But this just felt a bit different, I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, not necessarily, not better or worse, just different. And because of that, I think they were really intrigued. And it was a collaboration all the way through. We were sending them stuff and saying, this is mm. what we want to do. Mm. Put it all in Sibelius, make sure they liked it. Yeah. They would suggest changes. So that's what you, you did. You programmed it all first. And everything was so programmed, yeah. And it was like, just played all the, like, all the orchestral parts were yep. played. Everything uh, was in. Samples. Yeah. And then you, you just presented yep. it as, as if it's going to, this is roughly how it's going to This is, yeah, like. sort of like a demo, a reference yes. demo okay. of here's what yeah. we'd like to do. Yeah. Um, and they would come back and sort of say, oh, well, actually, I mean, a lot and you of did pe- that with Cliff, did you? With Cliff, yeah, yeah. yeah. So a lot of people have certain things that they always do live and have done for 15 years. Like there's a bit that's always a breakdown or there's a bit that that weren't on the originals. So it's really important for us to, um, with with the original artist to just send over things and then they're kind of like oh yeah we always do this thing and they send me a reference and we put it oh, in okay. so yeah. before it physically got yeah. scored it had been fully approved by the artists Amazing. so that we knew that there was no one's yeah. going to come in on rehearsal day and go oh hang on I don't really like that because they've already heard it did you, uh, do you ever get nervous or they come back and say hate it <laughs> well, yeah. well I don't know we, we yes actually yeah I think yeah. there is that or sometimes with with sometimes artists have done a song a certain way so many times that they yeah. don't want to do yeah, it they can't hear it because it will trip yeah. up. Yeah. Howard's yeah. a good example because, and he's brilliant at it, but he has like four different shows. He has like yeah. an acoustic show and I think, yeah. so he's done so many different versions of um, New Song. Yeah. And then, you know, we went back to the original album version, which I don't know if he's done for a while. Yeah. Um, so that was just getting any, he was a lot of the guys because you were all so busy. So yeah. they sometimes coming to rehearsal from, a tour yeah. where they've done a, a different version. We touched upon that earlier on, actually, before we re- yeah. were recording, how, how busy everybody's suddenly got. Massively, it's yeah. It's just suddenly... You, you think that that whole 80s thing is going to sort of, like, be a big fad and then maybe yeah. just die down, but it just hasn't. It's just carried on it's, and it's, on and on. It's the quality of the songs and the material. And, you know, for me, I was... You know, when I was a teenager, I used to... Well, both Cliff and I, actually, we didn't know each other then, but we both used to be mobile DJs. And, you know, there's... The top, half of the stuff in the 80s classical show is my singles box. You know, yeah, yeah. I, the end of my show, I'd play, you know, of my discos, I'd play Never Can Say Goodbye, I'd play yeah. Kids in America, I'd play, you know, all those songs yeah. would be there. But that's a good cue for us to ask you about where it all began, uh, really, exactly, in terms of exactly. did you always know you were going to work in music? Was that, was it a no brainer no. or? Well, not at all. Musical I mean, family? No, no, I mean, weirdly, I'm. It's interesting, actually. I just um, had a had a big birthday recently, and uh, I just turned fifty. And there was a few. My mum and dad came out with some. You know, we did a party, and there were some uh, photos and some stories. And I got told this story about the fact that when I was about four or five, which is a strange thing, that I went to. We'd gone to visit somewhere. My mum and dad had taken me to one of their friends, and apparently they'd had one of those old sort of home organs, like a Bon Tempe or something like that. And some, they were in the middle of a conversation and they apparently heard me just starting to play things. So that's the first time I'd ever... Wow. Um, so then they got me a small keyboard. So I'm basically self-taught. So I played by ear. So from, from silly early, that's when I'd wow. hear something and I'd go... I'd either play it or I'd work out what it was. Yeah. And as yeah. I was getting... So my education, because my, my dad had an amazing record collection, so I would 
rather than sort of learning chopsticks wherever I'd be listening to Stevie Wonder or Aretha Franklin or whoever and just keep rewinding the cassette and go what's that called what's that called what's that called you must have done the mm, same thing yeah I mean I, I, I was um, classically trained um, yeah. on piano but only up to about grade five or yeah, six, yeah. I think. And then um, I just got fed up and discovered girls, and then it exactly. went out the window. <laughs> but but, um, but uh, guitar, I was self-taught as well. My, my dad, obviously, who's, who's played a bit of guitar, yeah. and there's always guitars hanging around the house. Yeah. So same thing, I used to just pick you it just up. You just pick stuff up, yeah. don't you? Yeah. So was it a natural career choice? Did you think? I, I or when never, did you know no, it? No, no, not at all. No. I just didn't. I was just a normal kid. I DJed, um, did like youth DJs and... Uh, youth DJing and then DJed at an under 16s nightclub. I'm originally from South End in Essex, so there's oh, a couple so, of clubs so there. Oh, right. well, my dad's family all up. All right, yeah. <laughs> so like Zero Six, and there's a club called Chester's, and there's a few clubs, and there's a few DJs there. A guy called Ian Redding sort of took me under his wing, and I ended up doing Saturday nights DJing when I wasn't even old enough to be in the club. <laughs> um, and then, sort of, cut a long story short, got in, found another guy that I used to work with. Uh, a guy called Jason Davis, and we formed this little remixing, mega mixing team called Mixbusters, and just did it in our spare time. I, used to, I left school, worked at a bank for three years, and he had a proper job. And um, we were one night we went in. One of our friends, a guy called John Leach from Essex Radio, I was just about to mention him. Yeah, one hundred two point six. That's the one. The Soul Show with John. So Leach. John is John. Is, <laughs> this is a classic if you lived in that part of the world. And, and he was such a big supporter. He always used to play our little mixes that we used to do. And he said, "Oh, look, you know, the studio. Come into the studio tonight if you want to use the studio." And it had a reel to reel and all that kind of stuff. And we just put together this thing, this mix or mega mix or whatever it was sent it off to a company called DMC, which is Disco Mix Club. And um, they came back and said, we really like it, we want to put it on. Just started doing more and more for them. And then one day I got a call from a guy called Tony Prince, who's a Radio Luxembourg DJ who owns that company. And I remember been, Tony Prince. Do you remember Tony? Yeah, he's still around, actually. I saw him recently. He's uh, fantastic. He's got his own radio station now. And, um, yeah, he just said, oh, listen, do you want to quit your job and come and be a T-boy at the studios? For, for, the DMT. for zero money, really, for nothing. <laughs> I mean, it meant me travelling up to, and back, you know, every day from there. And I was like, yeah, and I quit the bank that day, pretty much, and um, that was it. So my wow. and DMC for 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 people that that don't know is it was a remix mega mix service, um, and would only be for a subscription for DJs. But what used to happen is all the record labels used to send their multi-tracks to people like me, who would have never had a chance of looking at those multi-tracks if I wasn't there, to do DJ-only remixes. So that meant what I was able to do when I finally got around to being able to do my own mixes was I would kind of go into the studio at night and then put on a two-inch reel of whatever was in. Wow, how so, amazing. So that was... So you were listening to... Noel Rogers or Jamin wow. Lewis or Michael Jackson because they had all been sent over. How crazy. So like I learned in a candy store, it sounds yeah. like. Yeah. So I kind of learned how to make records by listening how everybody else made yeah. records, isolating yeah. all the individual yeah. tracks. Um, wow. What an education. Yeah. How amazing. Um, and what a great thing to have on your CV. You've, you've worked with... Michael Jackson and because essentially you have because yeah. you mixed their stuff yeah yeah and we were lucky that you know I met there was a guy called Dave Seaman who still I still work with now and and we filmed partner this little, crime in Brothers in Rhythm yeah we still do we started this thing called Brothers in Rhythm and we started taking the remixing thing a bit more seriously and people 
thought that we could produce records so we got to do that and um, do the remixes on, on Michael and Janet and stuff and some of that, those remixes can we just say they are legendary remixes yeah, yeah. oh thank you Janet's in particular really yeah well that was that was the sort of one of the first times that because back then I mean it's really hard for people to understand this now but back then the whole idea of speeding up a vocal mm. wasn't like mm. putting it in a computer and going 124 BPM you physically had to yeah. very speed the tape yeah and then pitch the vocal back yeah, down again. Yeah. It was so mad. And, and that was the day of buying CD singles as well, and people would buy a CD single if you were on the remix, in terms of that was that was uh, like a guarantee of quality, oh. in terms of buying a CD single. Mm. If you saw there was a Brothers and Rhythm yeah. remix, you're like, this is going to be good. Yeah, and yeah. you would per- even if you had the album, you would buy the CD single knowing you were getting something extra this is all pre-spotify and itunes yeah yeah well i mean we always the one thing that we did quite a lot was um that back then in those days in the 90s and i'm sure ricky will attest there was a little more money around in yes. production yeah, and yeah. budgets and yeah. stuff because records sold a lot yeah um and a lot of people made a lot of money then but dave and i would always spend most of it on the actual budget so most of the, all of the remixes you're talking about were all done at Sam West, yeah. um, which is Trevor Horn's studio. Yeah, amazing studio. And we'd be in there for weeks, you know, just book in there and, you know, and just spend two... I mean, the certainly things like the Confide in Me house mix, that was two weeks in Studio One, wow. uh, whatever it was, you know, however much money a day. Yeah. So we would spend all the budget on making... There was a bit of a clue there as well, I think, in terms of the sound, when you're talking about, like, the, the lush stuff or the orchestral mm. stuff. Um, two of those absolutely, and I don't use this word lightly, classic remixes that you did for Kylie on her first post-PWL album are the long version of Combining Me and the long version of Where Is The Feeling. Mm. They've got a real drama, a real cinematic sound, which definitely, to me, links in to where you went with the, mm. the orchestral stuff. So it's quite interesting. Early on, someone that's very much you know thought of as a DJ and a remixer had a... Mm. You weren't just bashing out beats per minute. It, there was a real dramatic quality mm. to mm. it as well. Well, that's be, I think also because as much as I was a DJ, you know, uh, that was... The other thing that I would listen to when I got home would be, you know, I'd be listening to you know, movie soundtracks. I'd be listening to Michael Kamen. I'd be listening to Jeremy Lubbock. I'd be listening to all these incredible orchestrations yes. and dreaming, yeah. you know, buying when I saved up once to buy a tiny, a very little, the first Kirch vial I had because this guy, Michael Kamen is an amazing, amazing arranger. Oh, yeah, the guy did the piano? He no. did no, no, no. no that's, that's Michael. Michael yeah, Michael came and did the Lethal Weapon oh, series, yes, of course. and he did yeah, a thing yeah, called yeah. Edge of Darkness on TV, and it was on a Kirch file. You remember yeah. the Kirch file yeah, strings? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I Amazing. found a second-hand yeah. one locally for a few hundred quid, and I finally just yet it took. This is going back for me and, me and Ricky, but it, you'd have to spend about you'd have about ten minute, like ten floppy disks mm. to load in it yeah, yeah. to make it work. Make it work. Yeah. Um, but then I'd have an orchestra, and as soon as I had that, I was like, all oh, right. Now we can do anything. So yeah. with being at Psalm, it enabled me to layer and layer and layer and layer to my heart's content. But you also um, you also had a hit in your, or at least one hit in your own right as Brothers in, in Rhythm with such a good feeling. Which was just a complete mistake. I mean, David... <laughs> David a happy one, presumably. A happy one, yeah. <laughs> David, worked, David was the youngest ever editor of Mixmag, which was the magazine that DMC um, put out. And he won it on a competition basically one to work there so he was working upstairs doing this mix mag and i was downstairs and i wanted to work on the magazine and he wanted to do music 
So we basically did a kind of swap. And um, just one night, he just said, oh, I've got this an idea for this piano riff. And, uh, and here's a couple of samples. And that's kind of what we did. And, and it was the thing about that early 90s as well, that the, the rave generation, the rave culture, you just, I mean, there was no sample clearance then. You just, yeah, things happen. Yeah, you just shove, yeah. you know, it's the Mars pump up the volume. Yeah, yeah. You know, you just whack things on. So, um, and then really, those are the two things we did. There was, they wanted us to make a record and make an album. And really, it wasn't for us. We just... Because it took off in the States as well, didn't it? It was like a number one dance yeah. chart hit on Billboard, yeah. I think. Yeah, but I just don't... I mean, I've never wanted to be a performer. Okay. I think we did one Top of the Pops when we did... Um, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. We did Temptation. We did a version of Temptation for Heaven 17. Oh, and Dave amazing. and I because it was And Dave and I were on Top of the Pops. I think they still use that version for the live stuff, don't do they? Do they? I think oh, they do. God, yeah. I mean, I, lo- I absolutely it's love Glenn. So it's amazing. But, and again, big orchestra on the original oh, what a tune. What a what tune, a, yeah. Oh. So you're both reluctant to Ricky. We've talked well, no, about he's this on, before. No, he's on stage though. He loves being. He's a showman, right? I <laughs> I was on top of the pops, and I I was so scared, I nearly fell off the back of the stage and brought half the set down. So, for someone that works in my job, like honestly, being on a stage to this day is not my natural. But they were place. very small stages. So yeah, but you pops, are. You, but but you you on stage, you're a rock star. You can do that thing. It's never been that natural to me to do that, yeah. which is why I kind of immediately realised behind the scenes was the way to go I don't I'm not sure I'm a rock star when it went on live but I, do, I, I try, I try no, and pretend to be and you've got a guitar as well so you can give it a bit I can of that you have your moments yeah. <laughs> you have your moments yeah oh, no, I let's be honest your whistling on the acoustic oh, tour yeah, is just <laughs> absolutely incredible <laughs> um, so naturally we're kind of leading into the period when um, you first start to work with Kylie mm. in terms of so Kylie Kylie had been a big PWL act for many years and presumably there was a bit of a scrap for who would sign her when, when she left and who would work with her. And in you come. How how did it all come about? It's it's um, It kind of goes back to, again, when David and I were doing remixes, we were, um, when she was still at PWL, um, one of the club promoters over there um, suggested us to do a remix of one of her songs called Finer Feelings. Oh, very massive a track. Which, is, we, which we loved, yeah. yeah. And it was her first move away from that kind of sound. And don't get me wrong, I'm the biggest Stocking and Waterman fan in the world, as I'm sure most people know from what I've done. Um, but they asked us to do a remix on that, which we did, and it ended up being the single version. Mm. Um, and then that was the kind of... And I'd done a remix of Step Back in Time, I think, as well. And uh, But honestly, the honest answer is she signed... I know that she wanted to do something different, mm. as a lot of artists in that time of doing their one um deconstruction were a rogue punk brilliant label who we'd done a lot of work with already and a dance label and they signed her and the honest truth is dave seaman phoned keith blackhurst and said i heard you sign kylie can we have a can we have a go can we see if we can come up with something yeah and the week later she turned up at the studio and we had scrambled around to try and find things. We'd done this kind of up-tempo, housey thing, which was what we thought they'd want. And then we had this really weird breakbeat thing with strings on it and said, oh, we've got this thing. David had written, scribbled down some lyrics on a, on a pad. And we said, we've got this thing. We think it's called Confide in Me. Do you want to have a go at it? And she did the vocal in... We were in Studio One and we tie-lined to Studio Two because we didn't have a vocal booth. And that was the demo that she did, and that's the vocal on the record. What a song. 
Amazing song. What a song. And then we and went a total into... departure uh, mm. stylistically from well, what, where she'd been before. It was such a massive change. But we didn't think, like, we'd sent it off and went, oh, well, that's not going to go anywhere because it was so, we imagine a deconstruction who had, at that time, massive hits with M people. Yeah. We thought, oh, they're just going to want to do Hacienda Kylie. Yeah. We didn't think they'd want to go. But the whole thing about deconstruction, which made them so brilliant, is they just didn't care. Yeah. They were like, it's brilliant. It's, it's going pretty out. brave in those days as Massively, well. Massively, yeah. yeah. It was such a departure, that song, in terms of... It was so different. It was so different yeah. to anything, but so different for for Kylie. And her it, her vocal is so yeah. different on it as well, in terms of... I think I've heard you say before, you were really keen to bring out something different in her mm. vocally, which you seem to... I think you definitely bring out the best in Kylie. There's something... There oh, must well, be something you. in your relationship you've developed from a really early day yeah. where... Where she, like you talk about people, you said people trust you. She must, there must have been something there. Yeah, I think at that time, I mean, that was the very beginnings of when I was working with her. I mean, now it's been a sort of nearly 22 years. Yeah. So we just, mm. it's, it's just like kind of, it's pretty easy in any way. And she is incredibly, mm. you know, she's a, what I call the four take girl. And normally the third one's the one. So there's none of this multiple take stuff. She's yeah. always on it. But um, yeah, I think it was different. And I think she liked that. Um, and we went on to do, you know, other things. But I think sometimes, and for anyone that's, you know, working in this industry about sometimes when you when you pitch a song, you know, like back then, there was no list of, right, we're looking for, like now writers will get this long list of, or it needs to be Billie Eilish meets this with yeah. a bit of this, a bit of that. Mm. Then it was like, there's Kylie, there's Brothers in Rhythm, what do you want to do? Mm. So we weren't thinking about what was going to work or whether mm. or not it was going to get on the record. And I and weirdly did it, since or a, long, a few years later with Britney Spears where we did yeah. two songs and the one that we went well no they're going to hate that because mm. it doesn't sound like anything they want is the one they went with so and on that first Deconstruction Kylie album you've done there's a song on there which to me is a bomb theme that never was called Dangerous, Dangerous Game, Game. <laughs> which is probably Kylie's what I think one of Kylie's best on record vocals as well. Well, that's, that's that is also there's a, a friend of mine who uh, Ricky knows as well called Terry Ronald, who's yes. an amazing vocal arranger and amazing. producer. And he was in the studio with that, uh-huh. and he does he got and there's also all the ad libs on Automatic Love. Oh, that's, I love that. That's song. very oh. Terry as well. But also, Dangerous Game was weirdly before we started talking. We talked about a, a, a Kim song called Can't Say Goodbye, mm. which is a string arranger called Richard Niles who did the strings yeah, on Dangerous amazing. Game and I just said it's a Bond thing go nuts it is yeah. and he did yeah. <laughs> it's amazing <laughs> and then on the CD this is where I start to nerd out sorry on the CD single of uh, Confiding Me there's a beautiful cover of Prefab Sprouts um, If You Don't Love Me which is a beautiful song as well. which was literally recorded and in one take as an afterthought because all of a sudden someone said oh god we need a B-side it's gorgeous and we were in studio we were in Psalm Studio One Mix in Confiding Me and I just said, oh, and then Dave said, oh, If You Don't Love Me is a really nice song. So I went out, so I listened to it, thought, oh, I can kind of get it. Um, Some Studio One used to have, when it used to be there, the piano in it was the Bohemian Rhapsody piano. Um, wow. And, uh, is that what it's played on? Yeah, yeah. <gasps> and then I just, we just went in and went, well, it's this, it's this. She learned it, I did it. And then we just, Paul Wright was our engineer then. And uh, I said, I'll just whack, whack the dat into record. And we just did it. And that's that's it. It's a heartbreaker listening to that song now. The, even, the way it ends, it's just like the pin drop stuff is yeah. gorgeous. Yeah, but that would literally again. It wow. was we didn't. We they would just say, "Oh God, we need something to put on the other side." And I was like, "Well, here we go." Does that? And again, we didn't really think they'd use it. 
I used to love doing B-sides because of that. Yeah, You have the uh, best B-sides uh, <laughs> ever. It, it's, it's a very strange thing, um, that your mental state when you go in to record a B-side. is a totally different way of thinking. It's, um, it's very liberating. Yeah, so I can, I, um, can I take this opportunity, therefore, to ask you to gang up on Ricky oh, yeah. with me yeah. um, to celebrate oh. the concept of an anti-tour. An anti-tour. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to glare yeah. at me now because yeah. I've been working on this <laughs> notion. So what are, aren't they wonderful anti-tours? For those that don't know that are listening, uh, Kylie did an anti-tour with Steve, which is basically B-sides and album tracks. No hits really is the, is the general theme. So they're great, aren't they, Steve? <laughs> it was... Without doubt, one of the favourite things that we've all ever, ever done. Really? It was so wonderful. There wasn't... You can't do that many of them because yeah. it's really, really super fans. Yeah. They're small venues. Yeah. So it isn't, you know... To it's, just me. Okay. It's, it's what we call a break-even. <laughs> yeah. Um, or something to be tagged onto yeah. something else. And it's a lot of songs for the band to learn yeah. that probably they'll never, ever play again. Yeah. Um... So but, it's a full band thing as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Oh no, I did it. We d- even though it was an anti-tour, we did it. We didn't do it as stripped back. We did yeah. it as the full thing, programming oh, wow. the whole thing. Yeah. But um, and there was album tracks, there was B sides, there was demos, there were songs that had c- turned up on YouTube from a cassette that I'm the only one that's got. So yeah. I don't know how it ended up on YouTube. Amazing. Um, and we start. We did it in Australia, um, and we did it here as well. How did you pick? How how do you decide? It's really hard. I mean, if I'm honest, there was there's almost enough songs for a, a, a second one at, uh, at some yeah, point. Yeah, my my, my, my short list is really long. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's... Um, I've, I've mentioned it to Kimmy, and in principle, she's out for it. It's a it's, lot of work yeah. for a very short amount of days. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but the joy of it, and also for us, because we were doing... There was, you know, we could actually go into some stuff from the, the second deconstruction album we made which you know wasn't wildly successful here was very successful in australia called impossible princess you know we could just go and redo things from there and and pete waterman came to the show which show did you come to was one in, i didn't you go didn't? to the oh, show right. no i wasn't fortunate enough to be there but i've seen enough but you've seen enough yes yeah, so and i know the set list pete in came terms to the, of how wonder everyone i know that went said it was just the most incredible yeah experience to be there they no. all say it was it just amazing yeah i mean pete came to the show in london and he was in tears by the end because it was like how do all these kids know these these random random songs from these albums you know because we were doing always find the time and you know um over (laughs) over dreaming over you and um the one we didn't do which i put on the golden tools which we put on the golden tool was still be loving you which is my favorite kylie song yeah um but yeah you just get to do all these you know and for you it's gonna because you will have written most of them as well so That's a lot of work, Ricky. <laughs> I'm not shy. I'm not you could tag shy. it on. You could do uh, I, as part I, of yeah. your greatest hits tour. Yeah, you could just tag it on to one of the nights. I think we might be on the way though, because I think we might have got Kim to to think about doing Million Miles Away, which was only a single. It's from the Love Is album, wasn't a single in the UK, and I think that <laughs> might make it to the greatest hits tour because yeah. it's well, already actually, in the press blur. Kimmy press is going to come and see us uh, like after this interview. Actually. Ah, okay, so I'm hoping. Oh, amazing. She'll, she'll be able to say hello to you. Oh, and, lovely. Uh, so she, she said, what time do you think you're finished? And I said, well, I'm not sure. I'll, I'll let you know nearer the time. Well, that would be so, well, of course, She's only five minutes around the corner. Of course, one of my, before the whole Brothers and Rhythm thing, one of my very first ever remixes commercially was on the Kim song. Uh, yeah. Called Can't yeah, Get yeah. Enough of Your Love. Yeah. 
Um, which is an awesome remix. And I've yeah, spent which an I awful... actually don't have a copy of yeah, anywhere. And yeah, actually, I'm not someone. Sure I, do. <laughs> I no. think I have um, spent a fair amount of time and money on Discogs, which is a website where you can find quite random stuff to get a CD single or a 12 inch version one? of it. I think I have it. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Okay, because someone, someone messaged me on Twitter about it, and I think I've got a dat somewhere. But I've it got was the world because you did the World Perfect Harmony, Harmony, which I love. Yeah. That's one of my yeah, favourite yeah. songs. I have that one definitely. What a joyous song! You do that live, right? Have you done that live? No, no. I mean, there we go. No, I've never done. What that a song! Just joy. <laughs> <laughs> I promise this wasn't a setup. I promise. I didn't message Steve before. It's like so. Harvest for the World for like a it new is. generation. It's so brilliant. Oh, I love that you. song. Well, I, I, I have never had the chance to thank you for doing <laughs> such an amazing job on it. Um, oh, to I just make put, it sound. I just put some beats on it and got Snake Davis to blow sax all over it. That's all I did. Oh, bless you. They're great. You that, that pair of remixes anyway. is, is great. They are both fantastic. No, well, them. you never know, but watch this space. Yeah. <laughs> uh, basically, Kim is coming over and oh, uh, we're going to chat with Lee as well about, about tunes, which ones to do, maybe. Yeah, maybe yeah. To add oh, brilliant. Or, or not. So we'll, we'll see. And, yeah. um, so you mentioned Impossible Princess, which was the second Kylie album. Yeah. Um, and that was really experimental mm. at the time in terms of taking Kylie in an even further direction mm. away. Um, and People know the Mannix songs probably the most, yeah. but there's some great stuff that you did on on that record. Thank you. Well, I mean, we did we we made a 12 track album um, and then delivered it, and Decon loved it. And then I think at that point, the big bosses at BMG were like, oh, maybe we've you know we need some hits or whatever, which is when they went to the Mannix, and that was great. Some kind of those those two Mannix songs are really good. But we just kind of... Very jarring, though, in how they're set. Yeah, they don't the really fit. I mean, Did It yeah. Again was the only one of ours that sort of fits yeah. with their sound. But um, no, we just decamped down to real world Peter Gabriel studio. And I think Kylie at that point was... I mean, I still stand by the fact that regardless of commercial success, if you go and look at those songs lyrically... They're great songs. There's not many pop stars. Was that stars. Kylie the songwriter at Kylie, the beginning absolutely, of... Yeah. yeah. And we, again, Decon just went, just no rules, no laws. I mean... We were very into a lot of the kind of sound things at the time, whether it was Massive Attack, whether it was Underworld, Bjork. We wanted to kind of bring all that in Definitely. there. Definitely. Yeah. But um, how do you? How did Kylie write? How did you write with Kylie? What was the process? Very like? different. Many different ways, as I'm as I'm sure Ricky does as well. It's sometimes I we come up and say, well, here's an idea for a track. Sometimes she'd say, here's a title for a song. Um, yeah. Say, hey, for instance, she just came in and said, I've we, we were because we we're all. Uh, real world is a is a residential studio in Bath. Mm, so lovely, real world. Yeah, it's oh. it's really lovely. And for Beautiful the demos, studio. we were in we weren't in one of the posh studios. We we're in a really tiny little studio. But you all get up and you have breakfast together and stuff. Mm. And then she'd say, "Oh, I've got this thing going round and round in my brain all morning." And then she'd sing the first bit of "Say Hey," and we'd just kind of work out what it was. So many, many different ways. Mm. Um, but it's yeah, a funny process songwriting because sometimes, as you say, it, it's right. Right across the board, it can be a, a lyric. Mm. It could be a, you know, you could be laying laying in bed as you're about oh, to yeah, go yeah. to sleep. Oh, that's a killer that's time. horrific. Yeah, so much of the annoyance of my my poor missus. I bet. <laughs> but it's, uh, but it's um, yeah, it's a very strange thing. Or walking around a supermarket. Uh, shops. <laughs> you said Definitely. this on one yeah. of the others. Yeah. 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 You're that, and it's normally mid song, yeah. yeah. and you can't do it, and you go, yeah. all right, I'm just going to go out, and you're in there, and you're looking at the eggs or something, and then all of a sudden, yeah. you find yourself stopping and going, oh. 
it's that. <laughs> yeah. And then realise someone's looking at you and go, okay, right, I've got to yeah. remember what I'm in. You have to have place. an iPhone. You have to have your iPhone yeah. with you all the time to get those ideas in. And, yeah. And, we asked um, Kim and Rick about this when we when we met them together about Kim had obviously done three albums by the time she became a songwriter on the fourth album when she started writing for, for Teases and Dares. And we asked her, you know, what was it like? Were you encouraged? Did you feel nervous? Did you have that same scenario with Kylie, who obviously wasn't known as a songwriter? Mm. Was she? Did you have to coax it out of her? No, or, no, no, it just absolutely came flowing. And there's an awful lot of stuff, as uh, as everybody knows, you need to write a certain amount of not good songs yeah. to get a certain amount yeah. of good songs. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of things about unreleased stuff, especially from around that period. Mm. And I always say the reason that it was unreleased is because it wasn't good enough. Mm. You know, there may be two or three songs that kind of and probably have ended up coming out on various things but you know you can't always get it right yeah um, and also you can spend a lot of time making a very average song sound good yeah and but you could spend a lot of time doing that and why not just spend that time writing hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A better song. Yeah. You know, or another song. Yeah. Um, if I'm working so hard to make a song sound good mm. and make it sound like a like a record yeah i, I feel like i'm wasting my time i should yeah. be doing, i should be writing a song that just go again all start work, again you know? yeah yeah what are some of your favorite writing experiences outside of working with with kylie who have you enjoyed writing with or for the most um it's an interesting one with writing with me because i don't i'm not i'm a i always say that i'm a writer kind of last as in i'm not a lot of my friends are incredible writers who write every day and um because i have a uh, i'm lucky enough to and i have lots of different hats that i put on um i tend to i don't like if someone says to me uh, oh so and so's making an album have you got any songs no i don't have any any back pocket stuff yeah i just go in and write something for i'm exactly uh, the same steve for the yeah. like, i call yeah. it kind of bespoke which sounds yes. a bit whatever yeah. but yeah. yeah but um but I have to say, I mean, you know, you, you're saying outside of Kylie, but I mean, weird. I mean, my most 
memorable recent one was actually for Kylie, which was a song that we wrote. I wrote with Biff Stannard, Nash House and, and Kylie for the Christmas album called 100 Degrees. Oh, we're going to ask which, you about that. That's which, on our list. <laughs> and I know you said outside of Kylie, but it's yeah. just that's because it was the middle of August. It was a Christmas really hot. Yeah. And it was about 100 degrees. And it was literally... It happened over again over breakfast. Mm. You know, there was an idea and there was something, and then I went down to the studio and I was like, oh, do you think it's this? And came together. And then it was very quick, which I find a lot of the really good ones are mm-hmm. reasonably quick. Yeah. Bit of tinkering with the lyrics, but yeah. reasonably quick. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then there's just like bang, 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 da 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 da. Was it and always then, a duet for Kylie no, and Danny? It was just written as a song. Okay. And then someone in the room, and I don't know who it was because I can't remember, said, oh, this would, be, this would be good for you to do with your sister. And then cut to six months or four months later, and the two girls are doing it at the Royal Hot Albert fans Hall. all over the world Amazing. rejoice. That moment but, when Danny walks on stage at the Royal Albert Hall is really special. The, uh, when you watch the televised version, you can see the audience looking, going, is she? Is she there? Is she coming out? And the look on their faces when she comes out and joins oh. Kylie is incredible. But it, it's... Um, yeah, I mean, it, is, it, was, it was amazing. But, I mean, a lot of the other songs, I mean, again, going back to the Britney Spears thing, I mean, I loved writing a song called Breathe On Me, which I loved writing, but I never imagined for a second that, okay. you know, I'm, I'm not great at writing to a brief. If someone sends me four songs and says, we need something like this, mm. I was like, well, just go and get those guys then. Okay. But as you said earlier on, sometimes it's, it's the ones that, that you don't yeah. expect that are, are the ones that they want. Well, because they'll so, have a hundred of those because yeah, exactly. that's what they've asked exactly. for. Can I ask you about the Holly Valance song, Hypnotic? Is yes. That? Yeah. So was that, so Holly's second album was very much like an electro clash sounding yes. record. Was that yeah. a brief that you were writing to? No, not really. It was, that was done at um, a friend of mine called Brian Rawlings, who owns a company called Metrophonic. He has a lovely studio out in Surrey. And I wrote that with Steve Lee and the same people I wrote um, Breathe On Me with and Lisa Green. And they just said, oh, just we want something different. And um, we thought, OK, let's go really, really, really different. Um, and just literally did put that together. That was relatively quick. Um, and at that point, I don't even think we'd met Holly, actually. Right. Uh, and then she came in and just smashed it out of the park. One of the things I love about you on Twitter is that you often go back over stuff from many years ago that people might have missed the first time round. Uh, we have all sorts of titles. The hidden gem. We gems. love a hidden yeah, gem. We yeah. both we both yeah. love a hidden gem. Yeah. We found one mutually. I think Wendy Mahari was the one. Oh where yeah. We think we're the only two people that might have bought that. Well, that, that <laughs> yeah, that um, was that was amazing. I didn't think anyone in Ailes would actually know that. <laughs> and of course, I followed your blog for like new music as well, so I didn't know that you that kind of history existed. So, so where I was going to go was there's there's a, a few artists that I have always loved that perhaps didn't get the break for whatever reason so Danielle mm. Gahar was oh. one I really really love so I yeah. know you did a track with her that I don't think got released no it's appeared there was a whole album with Danny I yeah. saw her recently actually she's the most incredible singer if 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 you love that gorgeous kind of smoky tone there's a a, a, a lot of her most recent albums you made an incredible like jazz, jazz album yeah um but yeah that was done again at the time in I imagine the 90s where we were just, I was li- virtually living at Sam West. And, um, and the artist did get a chance, at least, in terms of, she, I remember her three amazing pop singles all missed the top 40, but they were on the radio a lot and they were, they sounded like hits. They sounded like hits. She was beautiful. Great girl. And one of the best singers I've ever worked with in my life. We actually did another song, which was a ballad, which Richard again did. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, you know, but then she's had an incredible career. Yeah. 
Rebecca Ride is another that yeah, I... That was oh, the yeah, first yeah. album that she Rebecca ever Ride. made when she was about 17. Yeah. Yeah. Wolfie was behind that. Was yeah, yeah. Steve Wolf, yeah, yeah. yeah, I remember she that. Sounded, she sounded amazing. She's, it was. was yeah, yeah. So it's the same around the same time as you guys there. She flitted sounds a bit. So I think they. she kind of went down a dance route for a while and later we emerged with a more acoustic sound. Did you hear... Have you ever heard the version... We did a version of a song called Fallen from Pretty Woman. That's the one I was listening to. Yeah. I think it was Rebecca. She was this 17-year-old kid from Birmingham who sounded like Barbara Streisand. Yes, she did. And she did a cover of Woman in Love, didn't she, as well, which was her probably one of her own. Amazing voice. Yeah. They put a lot of money into her, didn't they, MCA? Yeah, they did. I was really surprised that didn't go. And Clive Griffin is another... Oh, yeah. He was a great, great Well, Clive was... Clive, again, was... I mean, we were... You know, I always say that a lot of the people from our generation were so lucky in the fact that there was money around to to try things. And I was a a lot of... Nearly everyone I work with, I say everyone I work with, I'm a fan of. And I'd seen... I'd bought his first album and I'd seen all these names on it that I was a massive fan of, like Richard and stuff. And then I wrote some songs with him, became friends, and he got signed to Sony in America. And I said, oh, will you produce a record? I'd never done anything before, really, apart from one album with Alison Limerick, but not, it was more programmed. And I said, yeah, where do you want to do it? And he said, oh, I'm friends with some musicians. Let's do it in America. And I found myself at the age of 21 at a studio in New York called Bearsville with the four, three or four of the best session musicians, you know, it's Nathan East, Greg Fillinga and Steve Ferroni. Wow. And producing this record so again it was again i was very lucky that i had a baptism of fire of mm. you plonk in that situation and if you swim mm. then you're kind of set up yeah yeah for anything and the, the, the sort of the other version of that is one of the first remixes big remixes i did was my the guy that used to run dmc tony prince he was a, a friend of paul mccartney and there was when paul mccartney was doing remixes he had this thing where he wanted it all to be controlled and he wanted to be part of it so again, I found myself in his studio wow. at the age of 20 years old. So I think... Intimidating much? <laughs> Do you know what? It genuinely what it, it was. Uh, half of me was thinking, you know, as so I was driving up to it, I was like, God, I wish I could just for a minute just change places with my dad just so that he could have this. <laughs> yeah, wow, yeah. But um, it was, as I find with, and I don't know, Ricky, you might find this as well, with a lot of super, super famous people, mm. they have a really good knack of just making it okay yeah. quickly. And I walked so in true. to the kitchen... And God bless it, it was when um, Linda was alive. And he just turned around and went, hi, I'm Paul, do you want a cuppa? And that was it. Yeah. And I think we, when we're lucky enough to be around those incredibly famous... If you've met uber-famous people yeah. and you know that there's no attitude... Yeah. And don't you find that the, the more successful they are, yeah. the nicer they are? Yeah. And it's, it's always the ones that are up and coming that yeah. are a little bit difficult. <laughs> well, a bit more to prove. <laughs> a little bit to me, yeah, yeah, more to prove, definitely. Yeah. So, but yeah, but yeah no, those, I'm, and I'll always work with, I mean, I still work with new artists now. I still work you with do. people that, you know, if, if I can help uh, or if it's something that I'm, but it's, it's down to, if it's my cup of tea or what I'm good at, I now am quite good at saying no to things that I don't think I'm good at. Who, so, who's pushing your buttons at the moment, Steve? As far as new artists yeah, are concerned, yeah, um, my well, my favourite new artist of the last two years, and I think I know, I'm sure this is going to be her year as a girl called Maisie Peters, mm. who uh, is only 19, the most incredible songwriter. Um, I saw her show this year, uh, and she's worked with a lot of friends of mine, like John Green and people like that. But she's way wise beyond her eight years. My 13 year old's a big fan. Yeah. Well, exactly. It's weird. I went to see her show with my niece, you know, and it's like, but we both, both really love it. her. Yeah. Um, and then I got, I, 
you know, there's lots of different people. I, I do tend to do a sort of thing on Twitter, like an Ace New Music thing, because and a lot of it comes from his website as well. <laughs> um, Bless you. There's a, there's a few people that I, I follow. Um, I do, I mean, some of my stuff can be a bit throwback, like new people doing, like you're talking about, you know, the throwbacks. I mean, there's a band called Kira who I absolutely adore, who did a Shania Twain cover last year. And oh, okay. they've done, And a song called That Will Be A Lie. And it is that slightly electro thing. There's a band called Great Good Fine OK. Yeah, we like them. They've just done a song called 2020. I think it's the first yeah. song I've seen called 2020. Yeah, I like it when the production value is good. Um, Do you like The Midnight? Because we're huge fans of The Midnight. Oh, my God, absolutely. Mm. But then I sort of, that's what I'm saying. It's almost like it could be then. Yeah. So, yeah. But again... They, we went and saw them in London. and they Yeah, just I missed that. Fantastic. Good songs as well, right? Great it's, songs. it's not just... Yeah. fluff and electronica yeah. you know America 2 is a really great song the singer and, as well and, he's and the sax on there it's just, yeah, it's, yeah. it's just really fresh it's so yeah. beautiful yeah, yeah. So, and yeah. that's where we met Nina of course we did oh cool yeah so um, who Ricky is, has uh, worked on her new album oh so amazing yeah, great, yeah we've done a couple of tracks that's brilliant. brilliant yeah she's a sweetheart she comes up with um, her partner Laura Affairs yeah and, um, and so the three of us have written a couple of tracks together fantastic and I'm hoping that they're going to come up and do some more stuff I think they're up for it. So yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see how that goes. But I can't wait to hear that when it's all finished and done. I just like, I like quality. I like unapologetic uh, people that just really, really mean it. And I think, yeah. you know, the whole New Music Friday thing, I, there was this thing that I think I saw on Facebook this morning, which was some writers saying about their have to write a certain way because of the attention scans, yeah. man, and it all has to be this and it all has to be that. And I was like, I don't think so, because I'm about longevity, um, I, I always say that longevity over trending, but I I like a song that's going to still be around in ten fifteen years, not and not one that's going to be forgotten in ten fifteen weeks or replaced with its yeah. next version. Yeah, uh, and I think in general the public are too because you know it's reflected whether it's Adele or Sam Smith or you know or Ed Sheeran or something. You know there are copyright songs there that yeah. will still be being played in fifteen twenty Definitely. years, Definitely. and there's just cool fluff mm. that's just going to go mm. how do you make the the segue that you did from you know production and remixing to becoming a musical director how does that evolution happen again i got thrown in at the deep end we finished the kylie album impossible princess had come out and it had not done very well um apart from in australia and it was a very i mean people may forget but that time there was these, all these headlines you know kylie career over everything like that so we, she said, oh, we're going to go and do seven shows in Australia, this show that we called Intimate and Live. And my, her creative director, or even wasn't then, the guy, her stylist at the time, William Baker, and I and, um, were working with her. And she said, right, come over, we're doing a tour. And we sat on a plane, looked at each other and went, I haven't got a clue what I'm doing. <laughs> and he looked at me and said, no, I don't know what I'm doing, but maybe she, she should sing Dancing Queen. And... Um, I learned how to put a tour together in Australia. Wow. That's um, incredible. And I've always been very thankful of the fact that we learned, it was almost like we learned from the ground up. So as her career went back, mm. it, the shows got bigger. So I learned how to do a theatre show, then a bigger theatre show, then an arena show, then an arena spectacular, Amazing. then the Olympics. You know what I mean? So, it, Also, you didn't have the technology that we have these days, you know, like oh, no. with Ableton and... and oh, no, it was all samplers. And, and, yeah, so that's yeah. a lot of work. There's yeah, a lot but you must have done... programming Yeah, but, I mean, you remember what that was like when you had, like, yeah. a stack of samplers yeah. up and... Yeah. 
Um, what and, shows have you been the most nervous for of all the, the really big stuff? What ones have really... Because um, I'm thinking of huge things like Commonwealth Games and big Hyde Park stuff. It's pretty daunting stuff. In terms yeah, of I mean, yeah, I suppose so. I, don't, I mean, nervous, it's nervousness. I, suppose, I think at the beginning I was very nervous because I was, I was kind of learning what I was doing. Um, I'm never nervous around her because she will, no matter what happens, she will always pull it off. Um, I think there were some technical aspects of Aphrodite, which is the show we did with water. Water, the water, yeah. That was, <laughs> wow. we weren't quite sure, and there were some, some things there. But I don't, I weirdly don't, because the thing about the difference between me and Ricky and is that he's on, he's a musical director on stage. You know, I'm not on stage. So I'm, my, a lot of my, my prep starts five months before we rehearse. And then I'm in the rehearsals and, all the, and then in the production rehearsals. So literally by show one, it kind of is, it's I'm, I have a list of things that need to be fixed or that people want me to fix. Mm. Once that list goes down to zero, I'm done because right. I sign the show off. So I think, and also once you do one of those big shows, like the, the first one, the first really big one was the Sydney Olympics. I think once you've done one, you think, well, actually, when I you go back to it, yeah, yeah. well, this, and also it's, if it's live, live, it's sort of out of your hands. How did you approach Glastonbury last year? That was... There must, there must have been a fair amount riding on that for Kylie in terms of obviously it was a real, you know, going full circle from meant to be doing it, was obviously really unwell, couldn't do it, mm. and then getting the chance to do it again. There must have been... A, was there a different pressure on that show? We, 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 we couldn't even really call it Glastonbury. We kept calling it the, the, the short show because we had a... Um, we had two shows. We had a. She was doing a greatest hits yeah. sort of um, tour of of beautiful castles and, and stuff like that. And the Glastonbury was seventy five minutes. So we called it the short show. Um, and Rob Sinclair, who's a creative director now, had just said we just need to celebrate. Basically, it yeah. has to be a massive, massive celebration. Um, and we just prepped and prepped and prepped and prepped and rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed for all we could do. But Glastonbury as with any festival shows that, that, that as, as well that you would have done, is what they call a plug-and-play show. So there's no sound check. You mm. just go, mm. plug in, yep. hope. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, for that show, I was, you know, and also the same thing is with the, the BBC guys that mix it. It's, it's what whoever you get, yeah. you get, and they yeah. are hearing it for the first time. And Did you, you know, get to enjoy it? Uh, I got to enjoy, we were able to, we had a few sound issues on, on the day, which we were able to fix for, they, they just re-showed it at Christmas actually, on Christmas day. And we were able to, we had a few, um, really boring stuff. Like we were using like Kempers for yeah. the guitars yeah, yeah, yeah. and there's some line level stuff that this is all nerdy stuff, but it's a line yeah. level stuff went down and yeah. there's a problem with it. There's a few things that didn't quite, it took a little while for it to settle. Yeah. So I was pleased we could readdress it. So actually, if I'm honest, when I was in the moment, I was more concerned about how can we like get this to sound the best it could. yes yeah it's always the first two or three numbers isn't it that, yeah 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 you know, you're just like yeah you know, front of house in. was fine because yeah. we had all that we had our front of house yeah. guy so in the in the thing it was fine yeah. but um 
as so often with these incredibly massive shows and life-changing shows, mm. I'm sat at the back in a little caravan with someone. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, how much did Kylie love it? Because she looked like she absolutely loved it. I think she. <laughs> it's better that, to refer you to her on that because okay. I think she said quite a <laughs> but quite a bit about that. But yeah. it was amazing. I mean, it, it, what I think it did was it sort of it almost punched a hole in an audience that you, you think that you've reached everyone. But it seemed to me that after Glastonbury, there were people who wouldn't have normally said it, who'd have gone, God, she's pretty she's good, good, isn't she? She's good, isn't she? Yeah. And, um, it was just so joyful. That's the word yeah. I always well, that's yeah. what we were Watching hired. it back, I just thought it was pure joy. But I, I think when, you create, when you're part of a creative team, it's very easy to look at the five little things that went wrong yes. and not the 95% of it that went absolutely, that couldn't have gone better. And those five things, nobody noticed. Nobody anyway. noticed. Yeah. So... Um, but but yeah, you're right. They're the ones that that after a sh- after a show, mm. if there's any mistakes, mm. I'm the one that's picked up on it. Yeah. And so well, what happened there? It's just yeah. like, how did you notice that? Yeah. <laughs> but Do she you... smashed it. I mean, my God, she. she I really couldn't did. have been more proud. I mean, the way that her performance now is, it's the best it's ever been, and it's always been good. But her as a live performer now, it's. But Kim's the same, I think. I think yeah, Kim is, is yeah. an incredible live performer now. Yeah. Not, that, not that she wasn't, mm. but the confidence and the vocal, but everything. You, I don't think so it's com- being comfortable as well. It only comes with, with doing more, you experience. Know, doing so many gigs and mm. experience, yeah. Um, so I think that's where Kim is. She, she, she just loves it, loves it so much now that it's a, it's a part of her life, you know, the, the touring. Whereas in the old days, it was just doing the odd TV and recording. Yeah. And it wasn't so much a big thing, but, the, but probably over the last 15 years, I think it's just got, it's really but I imagine part of our lives. But also I imagine she's probably fallen back in love with songs Absolutely. that maybe 15 yeah. years ago she's oh god yeah. not that again yeah. you kind of find and, your and, and original love again love, and, and falling in love with performing yeah um, she, uh, there was, I think she took about 10 years out you know like quite a long time yeah and um, and she kind of fell out of love with the, yeah. with the whole industry which is like Rick Rick did the same Rick Astley did the same yeah, thing yeah, didn't exactly he yeah exactly that exactly and, and it happens a lot you know it's, mm. it's uh it's not unusual, and yeah. Um, but yeah, I can honestly say that she's she's enjoying her life and her music, and her performing more yeah. than she she ever has, you know. And, but she uh, also, she also has in similar to she also has what I call an embarrassment of riches as far as songs yeah. is concerned. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's not like oh here's my two songs. You know, yeah. there's a lot yeah. there. But the same with the Kylie thing. You yeah. can see that she she's she's really comfortable where she is, yeah. and you can see in her head she's. She's sorted, you know, she's, she's kind of there. Well, that's it. I mean, the second song of Glastonbury was the original version of I Should Be So Lucky. And she was just like, I wasn't going to make you wait for that one. And it's just like, yeah. let's do it. Let's embrace yeah, it. Yeah. 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 It was an incredible set. I really, really Thank enjoyed you. it. I've watched it multiple um, times um, back. Got and it some was... lovely comments. So yeah, you. no, yeah. it was. How do you, you know, so um, there's, there's lots of talk about an, another Kylie album coming in the th- in an interview she used three words grown up disco was mentioned apparently yeah in your head do you start <laughs> to think already in terms of right okay grown up disco what's that going to look like no. as a tour do you wait no until... because it might not be that okay you know golden wasn't country originally no there was a whole album of stuff that wasn't that isn't golden country, yeah absolutely. or that got <laughs> yeah. goldenly fired yes so absolutely yeah. yeah so no i i'm i i kind of very much deal with what's on the table at the time yeah so who knows what it'll be yeah um and once it exists and it's everyone's on board you know i will kind of find out if you're responsible well done for getting lost without you onto the golden tour <laughs> uh i'm that's kylie 
that's her, one of her favourites. I mean, that's the first song I heard from Golden before it had almost gone country. And um, and I just literally, I said, that is your Coldplay song. That's your... It's my favourite That song is your Glastonbury song. Mm. Uh, with John Green, who's one of my favourite writers. And, um, yeah, no, it had to... Oh, God, I mean, it's it's still my one of my favourite Kylie songs ever, let alone on that album. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it's a winner. That's something I wanted to ask you in terms of, is there a, oh, is yeah. there a bigger name yeah. that you kind of think, I wish I'd had a chance to do I don't know. It's, it's, yeah, I don't know about bigger. I mean, I beginning of last year, I, I, t- I tend to do a lot more shows than records now, but I still love making records. And I made a record last year with a, a friend of mine from years ago, who's a, a, a now an actor called Luke Evans. Luke Evans, yeah. Um, who was, when I, the first musical I ever, musical directed was Rent, and he was Roger in Rent, then in 2007. So, Siobhan Donaghy in that? Yes, yeah, Siobhan was in it, yeah, and Denise went out. And, um, and I kind of, we met, and I just, this is how these things come about, you know. I, I just said, oh, he'd done something the previous year, and he was an amazing singer, and he's a friend. And I said, oh, you, you should make a record. And we just did three demos, someone liked it, and we ended up making a record. And it, so that's kind of and how. And he's going I, on tour with it. Isn't he's he going on tour well. in April. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's it's a pretty tour wise. It's a pretty busy year. Are you doing the Louise tour? I'm doing Louise. Oh, I'm coming to Cambridge. I hope so. Uh, I, yes. I'll be at that yeah. One. And again, it's a lot of people that are for for that kind of audience. You know, Westlife is. I do. I'm MD for Westlife as well. They're back doing stadiums this year. A lot of people that I've worked with before. You know, ten, fifteen, twenty years ago that are still in the mm, same way as mm. the 80s kind of guys. It's and like, coming back stronger. Yeah, I mean, Westlife have sold yeah. out Wembley Stadium. Incredible. And it's, I mean, it'll definitely sell out. It's exactly. It's a question mark over it. And know. even like the 90s, like Steps, we did their last tour and they're back this year. And so, you know, there's, there's lots of fun stuff. But um, I don't know about people that... I tend to find a lot of the people that I really love, I don't want to work with. Okay. Because I think I really love them. And I just want to love them as an artist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't want it to yeah. come work. Yeah, unless it's unless I've got a really good idea yeah. and say, oh, let's let's try to do this. So I, again, I, I tend to turn down a lot more, not because I'm great or busy, but I normally my to my manager's absolute pet hate. I'm normally the first person when someone calls says, oh, you don't want me, you want this person because mm. they do it better. Mm. Oh wow. So, um, but who knows? I'm I I can't believe that we're still able to do this anyway it's incredible isn't it all these years later <laughs> I, I we were like saying earlier on where we had a meeting down the pub how many years ago was that well that was been... whenever can't get enough of your love was that 1990 there you go <laughs> he knows Maybe, we don't know <laughs> so all but these we, years later we we're get still to here doing yeah it, we know? get to still do it and fabulous. It's, it's incredible yeah we're we're really really lucky and, and yeah. i would say for you know anyone listening is is i think it's in a way it's a lot easier now to get started because you've got the laptop and you can I was going to say upload this, what, stuff. What, what um, advice would you give to any um, budding songwriter? Well, I think it's easier, but I think it's harder because there's so much more yeah. out there. Yeah. Content is so just overwhelming each week. I just think do a lot and surround yourself with people that can be honest. Yes. You know, don't yeah, have surround, people that, surround yourself with with people that that understand you and yeah. understand what you're about and, and listen to to well, yeah. to what you're doing. And you know, there's a reason why Billie Eilish is successful is because nobody said to Billie Eilish, "Oh, you need to sound like Billie Eilish." Yeah. It was just her and her brother mucking around yeah. on, a, on a computer in a bedroom. Mm. So I think and that's, that's a lovely thing as well—the brother sister thing. That, yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I look at that, and that, uh, that, that can work. It's and a also. Thing. 
And also just, you know, don't, I'd say don't try and take your influence. If you're taking influences, don't take it from the last five years. Mm. Take it from the last 25 years. Yeah. Don't sound, don't try and sound like what's out now, because by the time it's out, it will be completely yeah. wrong. So, you know, listen to, I'm not saying go back to the 80s necessarily, but mm. find things from, learn history. Spotify is great in which that you can, rec you can be recommend you stuff from, as we were talking before we said this, mm. you know, you know, your kids and stuff have got. 80s, 90s, 2000s, 70s, 60s, maybe songs on their playlist. So don't just refine yourself. Being relevant and contemporary is not all about sounding like what's on the radio now yeah. or what's on what's streaming now. Absolutely, so. that's good advice. Beautiful. That's, that's all I'd say. Well, Steve, thank you so much. For thank coming. you. Thank it's you. Been both. An honor. Thank it's you been so, so much. Thank you. It's so lovely to see you again. Uh, well, I love to see you. I love to finally meet you yeah, after following you. your. I literally have. There's only. Uh, I've said this before. There's only. Three. I've got three go-to blogs that I look at every every Saturday when wow. I do my Ice New Music, and and yours is there. So, bless you. You're so very keep kind. up the good work yourself. <laughs> Thank you. It's very sweet. Thank you. Thank you. Well, as we said earlier, the more successful they are, the nicer they are, and it couldn't be true when it comes to Steve Anderson. My God, that man. He's worked with so many different people, done all there is to do in the industry, and. After when we turned the microphones off, he was telling us about some of the projects that he's going to be working on. And my God, we were there open mouthed. So I can't go into that, but watch this space. Amazing guy. Anyway, thank you so much again, Steve. Absolute legend. Please join us next week where we will be chatting to some more unsung heroes. Have a great week and I will see you then. You have been listening to Unsung Heroes with me, Ricky Wilde, Jake Wood and Lee Bennett. Produced and created by myself and Jake Wood for Wildwood Productions. With music and editing, again by myself, Ricky Wilde. Artwork by Scarlet Wilde and hosted by Acast. Just to remind you that there is a link in the notes directing you to a Spotify playlist featuring all the songs we have discussed in this episode. Many thanks for listening. Unsung Heroes. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.